and welcome to Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman, and I'm one of your hosts. Every Wednesday and Friday, we bring you interviews with female and non-binary makers of all kinds from all over the world. Today's guest is artist Ann Johnson. Ann is a uh, predominantly print artist um, in her her solo art career. However, she also um, teaches art history um, at a university in um, Texas. So um, she's kind of in it uh, with, with her job as well as with her artist practice outside of, uh, outside of that sphere. Um, I, I don't even know how, if I can describe how much I enjoyed this conversation with Anne. Um, I'm grateful that she took the time to chat with me because I learned so much. And um, I hope that if you're listening to this, um, I understand if you have to listen because you're in a moving vehicle, do not watch this on YouTube if you are in a moving vehicle. However, if you have the opportunity, please, please, please uh, go check out this episode, especially um, on my Freeman Furnishings YouTube channel. That's where I put the uh, podcast episodes, the video, uh, just because you can see behind Anne all of her work and it is just, it's amazing. Um, so that's what drew me to her. And I'm so glad that she said yes to getting to chatting with me and, and telling me more about her journey and what inspires her and all of that great stuff. So I know that you will enjoy this as much as I enjoy talking with Anne. Um, but before we hop into it with her, I need to give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much, Lee at Lee Runyon, Annette 513 Woodworks, Katie Thompson, Women of Woodworking, Kevin Lefty's Woodshop, Christy Twisted Twine, Jeremy at Jeremy Spies, Sammy Go Sammy Lee, Rachel Moody Makes, Bonnie Tomom Bonnie, Tomomstore.com, Laura Oakley Soap Company, Brandy Studio Obey, Lee the Rainbow Carver, Ellen Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your continued ongoing support. Um, you really, really do help uh, support this podcast and help in producing two episodes a week every week. Um, and also, I should say, before we get into the interview, like, welcome back, everybody. This is the first new episode um, since the end of last year. So happy 2022. Um, I'll just leave it at that and let you all have your own feelings about that. Um, <laughs> but uh, happy to be back with a brand new episode, especially with Anne. So with no further ado, let's hop on into our conversation. Well, and I like to start by asking my guests to introduce themselves. Would you do that for me? I'll be glad to. My name is Ann Johnson, also known as Soul Sister. Um, I am, I was born in London, raised in Wyoming, and I live now in Houston, Texas. I'm a Texas transplant. Sorry about our governor. <laughs> Ted Cruz, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but... Um, I teach at Prairie View A&M, where I graduated, which is an HBCU, Historically Black College and mm -hmm. University. Um, I graduated from there, taught there. I went to uh, the Academy of Art University in San Francisco. I was actually their first online graduate ever. Oh, wow. So, okay. Yeah, so it, that was interesting. Yeah, and, I um, like, now I have to, this is totally just because of my own personal curiosity, and I'm actually looking to go to grad school and study art. Um, and so I was curious, you know, if I don't happen to get into my local university, like right. what would it be like to take an online art, like do art school online? What was it? I'm just curious. It, it, what was, it, was, like. the, it was the most work I've ever done in my life. It was like, yeah. <laughs> every week was like an exhibition. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, it, oh my goodness, it was a lot of work, but I was older. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I was in my late thirties when I started. So older students are much more mature mm -hmm. and more focused. Right. And uh, as myself and uh, Denise Williams, 
um, she and I, we were like the guinea pigs for everything. <laughs> so you might have a class with just three students. Right. Yeah. But the flip side is that you can get all that attention from your professors. Mm -hmm. And I just had a professor, her name is Sarah Barsness, um, which just allowed me to fly. Okay. And so that was the great part of it, but it was stressful. I, um, bet. I did. Yeah. I did go. It's in San Francisco. So mm -hmm. I did go a couple of times a year. Okay. Um, you know, that was, that was in the early days of Skype. Mm -hmm. so, you know, the cool thing is all of my um, thesis, uh, my prep and all that stuff, yeah. all my meetings, they're recorded. Oh, and okay. they're documented. Yeah. So That's I have cool. that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know I was, um, yeah, I just went and toured the art department at my local university. And yeah, I'm, I'm having, I, I have no, like my bachelor's degree is not in anything art. I haven't taken art history right. or anything like yeah. that. And, uh, you know, she's talking to me and I said, you do have to understand too, I'm a non-traditional grad student. I mean, I'm, I'm 40, like I probably, right. right. I mean, you know, some of these, yeah. some of these kids, if I, if I was hitting the game real early could be my kids. So <laughs> <laughs> I was the same way. I was the same way, you know? Yeah. So yeah, you, you are the older student, um, mm -hmm. but you're much more serious. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've got like a very focused reason for like wanting to go. It's not, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, to some degree, still wondering what I'm going to do with my life, but in, in a different way than the in the mind my of an 20s. artist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're in Iowa, right? Yes. Yep. So Elizabeth, Elizabeth Catlett. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. She went to University of Iowa. Yeah. That's, and that's the university that's, I live in the Iowa city area, which is right where that's at. So, yep. yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so I digressed there, but I was just, I had to, I had to ask the question of what it was like to do it online. I'm here to help. <laughs> it, it might not, I could imagine what, cause we would have to take classes like, um, it was a really interesting conversational class yeah. about justice and, mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. I can imagine the conversations now. Oh um, yeah. As, cause that was pre Obama mm -hmm. uh, when I went. So I can imagine I'm quite sure the professor had to stop class on several occasions. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay. So in your intro, I mean, you gave a little, you gave your kind of history a bit, but I, I want to dive into that a little bit more and just kind of learn more about, about your story. I mean, especially just even born in London and then raised here. Um, what was the move what like military parents or yes yes okay. my father was in the air force so i was born in london um, mm -hmm. we left when i was about three okay as a kid yeah. so i was raised in wyoming okay. and uh you know if you're in a military landscape mm -hmm. it's a very close-knit community yeah and usually when i say wyoming i get the side eye like there's black people in wyoming <laughs> like yeah it's a well, military I, was, I was gonna be like it doesn't feel like you were probably <laughs> probably no, alone, but um. no, it's, it's a strong black community there. Okay. Um, the 90% is military related, mm -hmm. but there is a percentage that it's Buffalo soldier related. Okay. You know, the blacks in the wild west that yes. you don't always hear about. And, um, you know, there's lots of black churches. I mean, I, I grew up like most black kids grew up just in okay. a predominantly white state. Yes. And uh, the, the, it's very cultural. It's like a gumbo because everybody's from somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so every weekend there was a party at somebody's house. All the kids are stuffed in one room. Yep. Parents <laughs> are playing pinochle. And if it was Miss Wilson, who was from New Orleans, they had gumbo that night. Mm -hmm. You know, if it was somebody who was from South Carolina, you had shrimp and grits that night, you know? So it was, and then if you were stationed in, in uh, Japan or mm -hmm. wherever, you had these really great ghetto egg rolls, you know? <laughs> So, so, you know, it, it was a great, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything mm -hmm. in the world. Um, it's lifelong friends for my parents, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, it was in the days where anybody could smack you on your tail if you were bad, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's just who it was. Yes, how it was back then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Um, did you, I mean, did you get to stay in Wyoming the whole time or did you move 
from no, there? No, my dad retired. He retired okay. in Wyoming. I was, I'm the youngest. Gotcha. Um, so I don't remember any of those moves. Mm -hmm. And he uh, retired when I was probably in third grade. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And my mother was a nurse. All uh, right. She retired as a nurse, a nurse with the VA. Mm -hmm. And um, my, I have one brother that's still there. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, sound, strong community, get to grow up in a strong community. Oh, definitely. Strong community, strong church community. Yeah. My father was an activist. Okay. Um, he helped establish the Martin Luther King holiday in the state. Mm -hmm. My second grade teacher was the first black congressional member in the state of Wyoming. Okay. So, uh, I mean, it was, it was very much more yeah. culturally rich than people would assume. Right, right. Yeah. Were you into art or creating as a kid? I was always the creative, you know, I was the baby, so I get yeah. away with everything. <laughs> but <laughs> my mother uh, is very, she's like every woman. She gardens to this day. She's just turned 84. Okay. And uh, she still gardens. She paints, she oil paints, watercolor. I mean, she, she made hats. So I was always around that. Mm -hmm. My brother, you know, he would do cartoon drawings and things like that. Okay. But most of that creative energy came from her. Mm -hmm. My father taught himself how to play piano. Okay. So uh, he was a minister of music. And so we were, there was always, we were kind of that house. Mm -hmm. We had all the good records and all, you know, <laughs> All the fashion. Fashion was my thing first. Okay. And um, I went to fashion school when I left Wyoming. Okay. I left Cheyenne. But my father, um, he's a, a Mason. They're Mason and Eastern Stars. And they would bring in the Ebony Fashion Fair every year. Oh, nice. And I was obsessed. I mean, if, those shows were just the coolest fashion shows ever. And after the show, they would come over to our house and they'd have like this big, you know, potluck and the mm -hmm. models would be so happy because they've been on the, you know, on a bus yeah. for months. And, you know, it's just this big yeah. home cooked meal and yeah. everything. And my goal in life was I'm going to work for the Ebony Fashion Fair. I used to write them every single day. And finally, the secretary called my dad and said, please tell your daughter to stop writing. She's like, Mr. Johnson, she doesn't want that job. All they do is go around the world and do fashion shows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I wanted to be a fashion show coordinator and yeah. things like that. So I ended up going to fashion school in Arlington, Texas, okay. which is between Dallas and Fort Worth. Mm -hmm. And I went to Barter Fashion College, which is a two-year school. And I, I, I did some fashion show work and makeup and things like that. I did a lot of that stuff. And then um, I ended up going to Prairie View. They took all my credits. Okay. And I transferred into Prairie View as a junior. Mm -hmm. And because when you go to those specialized schools, you learn so much. Yeah. When you go to a university, it's your junior year before you really start learning right. anything that right. you like. Yep. And so when I got there, I was so advanced. I was able to teach for scholarship money. Oh, wow. So nice. the money they yeah. would have paid an adjunct for one class, mm -hmm. they gave me in scholarship. Nice. So yeah. So yeah. 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 So what was it? Um, why shift gears from fashion to art? Because art was always my natural talent. And okay. once I got to Prairie View, well, in between Prairie View and uh, Barter, I went one year at a, a junior college. It's called HG. They call it, used to call it Harvard on the freeway. <laughs> and it was a junior college, a TCJC. South, which was meant it was in the hood. And that was where I started painting with my feet. Okay. I just kind of stepped in some paint, thought it was cool. And at that time I had the Gumby, you know, haircut, <laughs> like Bobby Brown. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, that'll look cool. And I did a self-portrait. So for years, that's where the soul sister comes from. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So then when I got to Prairie View, I, I just started going back to my natural talent. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, which was art. Okay. And I mean, I, you know, I very recently found you on Instagram. And I honestly, I just like, I was like, whoa, I was blown away by the, what you put your art on now. Mm -hmm. Like even like a leaf. I was like, how, 
Like how? <laughs> Just blown that's away. Making. Yeah, that's the yeah. printmaking process. I, um, like I said, I was an older student. Right. So my teacher really embraced that I was a little stubborn. <laughs> And I just refused to do an addition. Mm-hmm. I'm probably the only printmaking major that ever graduated without doing an addition. <laughs> it was boring to me. I, right. really, I didn't want to do it. Yeah. And so um, I started printing on odd things. It's the intaglio printmaking process. Mm-hmm. I think I have a plate in front of me. So it's a, um, a process where an image is printed. I do. It's your lucky day. This is like a printmaking plate. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. And so the image, it's a transparency. Mm -hmm. And then it's, it's transferred to the plate by light. Okay. And then I just put a little heat on it, Mm -hmm. low dryer heat gun for a minute. And then I'm able to print on it. Okay. So that process you, um, coat your plate with ink and then you wipe it off mm-hmm. and then the ink rests below the surface and then my printing press back here um i can put anything on top of it and run it through the press and the image transfers that sounds awesome. e- it sounds easy <laughs> oh I, I i'm sure it's not i mean again watching yeah. some of the you know or seeing some of the delicate pieces that you're printing onto yeah the first odd yeah. thing i printed on was a corn husk yeah and I was honoring my great grandmother, who was a black Indian. So it was just kind of an exploration. Yeah. All of my uh, MFA work was about her. Okay. And that, that Native American, and, you know, coming from our mm-hmm. part of the country, it's huge powwows. Yeah. yeah. I, I realized that the daddy of them all was really the daddy of them all. <laughs> you know, the rodeo. <laughs> I just thought that was a commercial. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, going to the rodeos here, once or twice, mm-hmm. um, they would say, well, he was a winner at the daddy of them all in Cheyenne, Wyoming. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I never realized it. Right. You, get, you know, when you're around that your whole life. Is, yeah. So um, I used to love to go to the powwows. That was my favorite thing to do. And it was mostly planes. Mm-hmm. And they would come and they would set up. They would have teepees, all that stuff. Yeah, you know, set up for the two weeks of frontier days. Mm-hmm. And if I could go every day to the powwows, I would. I just, I was fascinated. Mm-hmm. And so as I got older and, and particularly in grad school, and I was just infatuated with my great grandmother because I never knew her. Right. But they would always talk about her. And she mm-hmm. had these long braids and they called her Indian Emma. And um, just, it was an exploration. Mm-hmm. So I did the corn husk first and I went from corn husk to feathers. Okay. And I started with like a turkey feather and then a marabou feather, which was much more mysterious. And then from feathers to leaves, mm-hmm. leaves to cotton, which is now a whole nother narrative with yep. a whole yep. other side of the family. Yep. So yeah, I, I, gauze, I, I just print on a lot of, when I printed on gauze, it was specifically about women mm-hmm. and the history of gynecology, mm. you know, the butchering of the black woman's yep. body in yep. the name of science. Yep. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, I'm very experimental. That's why I call myself an experimental printmaker. Yeah. Yeah. I actually just had, um, not too long ago, I had another guest on who helped with the fabrication for the, um, installation of, um, the, the mothers of gynecology, um, Mm. where, uh, a series of three, I think three metal uh, sculptures uh, to honor um, the three black women who had been, yeah. you know, essentially tortured, well, and butchered. Yeah. Um, butchered. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that that's actually in that interview was the sadly <laughs> the first time that I had had learned of that story. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it's and that's why you know, this foolery about critical race theory, which is different. It's yeah. not even taught in grade schools. It's just no. so ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but that is slowly erasing history. Yes. Oh, oh, Texas is a doozy. You should see what these kids are not learning here. So <laughs> yeah, that's why I can't teach on that level. Yeah. But yeah. I'd be fired and on the news. I cannot teach on that level. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. But, you know, 
you're in your forties and, and, yeah. and you didn't know about it. No. Who else doesn't know about it in yeah. med school? Right. You know, and it was, it, when I was doing the research for that, it was hard. I'm sure, you know, because he was so callous, the doctor. And in his notes, he would say, well, Lucy cried for two hours today. You know, it's, it's no sedatives, no nothing. They were just being butchered. He was yeah. just, she cried for two hours today. So he put her on the table again. You know, it was just yeah. so, yeah. it was an object and not a woman. Yes, you know, yes. It was property, chattel. Yes, yes. Yeah, I'm, I am not far into it at all yet but i um i'm not a big reader but i'm a big audio listener so um i i got the book 1619 and i think i'm about it's an 18 and a half hour audio book i think and i'm about two and a half hours in and yeah i've already like i have to take it slow um yeah just because it it breaks my heart <laughs> every single yeah. every it's single minute of it it just yeah. it just breaks my heart um though i was interested to learn that the um author of the 1619 project which then turned into the book um is from waterloo iowa which is where mo like my mom and most of my family grew up and That's learning it. about like you know, obviously I am clearly as white as white as they can come. So most of, most of my family is too. And um, hearing, growing up, hearing their perspective of mm -hmm. race in the city of Waterloo, and then now hearing her perspective and right. just like personally wanting to go back and like scream at my family, but like <laughs> to just be like, you, you have no idea. Like you had no understanding. Yeah. Like why it, the entire east side is yeah. is black because of redlining like and not even right. understanding those ter that terminology um yeah you know. and there's something i think there's something to be said for being raised in the mid well west really the yeah, wild, wild yeah. west yeah because you know oftentimes and i can relate to a number of students at hbcus mm -hmm. on on both ends uh because in wyoming Although we had a black community, there still wasn't a lot of us. Yeah. So it was nothing for me or someone else to be the only black in the classroom. Mm -hmm. You know, and you had to you had to deal with it. Yeah. You know, but I like to say it's a different kind of racism in Wyoming. You know, because <laughs> I live in the South now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's yeah. it's not nearly as blatant. Um, and um, now you know the hood is off of everybody from mm -hmm. that last administration. Yeah, everybody took their clan hoods off. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, it was different, you know, but Houston is a very, the crazy thing about Texas, and redistricting was the first thing I learned about mm -hmm. when I first came to college, my first day at a black college. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had an old teacher, his name was Hewlin Davis. Hewlin, you know, that's a good old yeah. name. Oh, yeah, Hewlin. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he said, there's two types of people in this world, the haves and the have nots you are the have-nots now let me tell you about redistricting mm -hmm. and i didn't understand it then but i understand it now yeah and the, yeah. the crazy thing about texas is houston dallas austin and san antonio they're all democratic cities mm -hmm. it's just that the weight of the votes the higher weight is in these smaller towns yep it, it's yep. it's crazy yep yep oh i yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure we could spend hours talking about yes, that. yes. that's a whole nother that's a, a lecture series yes yes um but I do I do want to dive into especially since you know the the people generally listen to the podcast but I'm going to strongly encourage them to go watch the podcast because I get to see behind mm -hmm. you all of your work <laughs> um and yeah. um again you know that's another thing that drew me the the first image I saw of your work I was like oh I, I need to dive in on mm -hmm. on this further and look at it more and just the powerful images especially I feel like is it all women is it always focused on women not all the time okay um uh initially when I started I just did members of my family mm -hmm. on feathers and leaves mm-hmm and then in 2014, where it says Cole, the mm -hmm. remix of the classic vibe poster. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, 
See, there's only a certain generation that understands that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I miss the 90s. <laughs> but um, I, I'm in an artist collective called Rue. Okay. It's the four of the baddest ass artists you'll ever meet. And I'm not just saying it because I'm in it. Right. But this, this one, right, that one right there. Yeah. Love you. She just looks badass. Lovey Olivia, uh, Rebea Bayeen, and Delita Martin. Okay. All on Instagram. So we form an artist collective, Rue. Okay. And through Rue, uh, it, it really for all of us, we have just grown because mm -hmm. we could push and inspire each other. But Rue came to be, um, I was at a creative capital workshop. And um, during that workshop, I didn't know Rebea. And I, I didn't know Lovey, but I kept hearing there's, you know, there's always that person, well, women are not getting a chance to do this. And I was like, oh, who is that? Yeah. I want to meet her. Yeah. That's the person I want to have lunch with. Yeah. You yeah. Know, she's just going on and on and on and on. So we connected and her work is she self-taught. Okay. She taught herself how to do fresco. Come on. Okay. And so um, we, we applied for an exhibition called Rue. We mm -hmm. were denied. And so also from Creative Capital, formed an organization called Print Matters, mm -hmm. which is a printmaking collective. Mm -hmm. And we, we started this exhibition series called Print Houston. Mm -hmm. And through Print Houston, we got all the institutions, including the museums, to have exhibitions during the summers. Mm -hmm. So I was the only black person. Again, that's a theme. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was going to make sure that there was a black presence. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's how Rue came to be. So each year through our ex exhibits, I would push myself to challenge to do something different. Yeah. So in 2013 um, was the first time I printed members outside of my family. Okay. On feathers and leaves. So I started printing students mm -hmm. and people from the community. We have a very rich community here. Mm -hmm. And um, that was the nesting series. That's the first piece on my website that you see. Yeah. And um, so that that's... I would just from there, I would just keep growing and growing. And over the last couple of years, the majority of my work has been women. Mm -hmm. In uh, 2015, my work shifted totally uh, more specifically towards activism. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Sandra Bland, that was, I drive by that space every day where yes. she was pulled over because I, I work there and it's hard. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, especially in the early days, it was terrifying. We would, we would follow each other off campus just to make sure we could get to the high, uh, literally like this. Don't forget yes. your blinker. Don't forget your blinker, you know, and you shouldn't be like that going to work. No. And no. so, yeah, my work started to shift a little bit towards activism. A person told me, you know, use your art as your activism because everybody's not built for the streets. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so um it started, you know, I, I, I did the um, Converse Real Talk series with that, with the images on the leaves. Yep. And then in 2019, I did an exhibition called Harvest with another badass artist, Kaneem Smith, who was in the Dirty South exhibition. Mm. And um, I, I, that's when I started exploring gynecology. Yeah. And at the same time, I had another solo show called Acknowledge. And that's when I did my first ironing board. Which was just a fluke because my sister was, I'm coming to town, I'm gonna need to iron because she knows me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm a downy wrinkle free girl. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I pulled out the iron and it was had some spots on it. It was rusty. And I was like, and she just looked at me and was like, oh God. <laughs> and then I started doing because I see these ironing boards as a, yeah. it's like a military badge. Yeah. And and women of color who so many women of color for their survival have to take care of someone else's family before yep. they can take care of their own. Yep. And so that's where these ironing boards come from. And uh, they're about to be featured. That's my Rue crew behind me with the exception <laughs> of Rebecca's actually a person I went to church with. <laughs> she just took great selfies. But um, they're going to be in a window of a, we have an art space called Longdale Art Center. And um, they're doing a series of artists whose work is going to be enlarged and placed mm -hmm. in a window. And so these ironing boards are going to be there. And it's it's a series that's called See Me. Because as women, we're often not seen. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Un- extreme, extremely unfortunate uh, intro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, why? What was the seed or the initiate? Like, what got you going down the route of the of gynecology? Well, I teach African American art history, okay. and um, um, we have just the coolest president at uh, Prairie View. She was Ivy League. She came out of retirement to to be the president of Prairie View, and it just so happens that one of her students was Jeff Bezos' ex-wife. And <laughs> <laughs> what? And she just knows everybody. Yeah. It's like, you know, well, who do you want to come to speak? And, you know, you just <laughs> Obama. Okay, when? <laughs> you know, she's like that person. <laughs> but anyway, Toni Morrison was a close friend of hers. Okay. And uh, Jeff Bezos' wife just gave our school $50 million. Oh, wow. 5 Yeah. But she, one of the first things she did was establish African-American studies, because oddly enough, at a lot of black colleges, that's not a major. Oh, it's just assumed. You well, know. I mean, it's integrated into your history. Yeah, classes, yeah. I mean, but it's I could not a degree. Right. Yeah. I could. I kind of get it, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Probably more more white institutions have African American studies as a major than black colleges. It, and so she that kind of makes like, sense oh. to me. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she's like, we're going to change that. Make sure we're training our students properly. So that being said, I was in the first cohort. Uh, okay. Uh, they want my class to be one of the core courses. African-American art history. And there was a gentleman in there who taught history. Hmm. And he started talking about the history of gynecology and how passionate and uh, the students were about the project. And I was kind of listening to him and I was like, you know, and I started taking notes and I was like, yeah, because as black artists, I think at some time, at some point, we all address the middle passage in our own way. Mm -hmm. We Mm -hmm. can run from it all we want to, but somehow, some way. Yeah, it's in there, you know, slavery in the middle passage, yeah. printing on yeah. cotton is a clear yeah. dynamic, but yeah. <laughs> excuse me, that's how I started, you know, listening to, you know, those conversations and breakout sessions. Mm-hmm. And I had always done work, you know, with art and slavery, but not really a lot in my personal work, other than um, there is an image of this young slave girl, her name is Louisa, and she's holding a white baby. And she's looking at, I mean, it's a direct photo. She's looking at you like, I'm holding this baby and y'all still out here acting crazy. That's the vibe yeah. I get. Yeah. Her. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that could have been her baby. Right. You know, you really don't yeah. know. Right. And so I've used her image a lot, but that got me to thinking, what happened to Louisa? Right. You know, we only know about these women that were butchered because he documented it. Yes. What else was happening to slaves in the name of science? Right. And they had no, they were chattel, they were property. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there was absolutely no choice. Correct. So that's where that series, you know, the, the few pieces that I did, um, the one that's called fertility, that's in the Texas biennial, you know, is an image of one of the figures from the Zeely daguerreotypes, Mm -hmm. you know, you familiar with those photographs, which again, Delia, they had no choice, but to take off their clothes and look at the camera. So I used her image, printed it on gauze in a brown reddish color, mm-hmm. which Lovey always said, did you use blood? <laughs> I'm like, no. No, yeah. <laughs> not. <laughs> but it, it's a gambling sienna, which is a reddish yeah. color. But I printed it on gauze for a couple of reasons. One, because it was gauze. Mm-hmm. And two, because there's layers. And as you pull the gauze away, there's another layer of that human in there. Yeah, yeah. And then it's shrouded in an Akua fertility doll. Because those women had no fertility after they were butchered. Correct. Yeah. 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 So that's that's where that series came from. Okay. Hey makers, today's episode is sponsored in part by toolmomstore.com. At toolmomstore.com, you can find any and all tool-based merchandise for all genders, all sizes. They've got mugs, they've got shirts all kinds of cool stuff. I have uh, one of the shirts myself that has the uh, hashtag woodworker on it. And I also have a couple of the mugs that define what 
and who is a tool chick. So super excited with the merchandise that I have. I know that you will be satisfied as well. Um, and also great discount for those of you who listen to the podcast at checkout. If you enter the code maker mom, you will get a 20% discount off any of the merchandise that you buy. So that's just toolmomstore.com. All right, let's head back into the action. Have you ever tried to print on a speculum? Just curious. No, <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> Not yet. You know, sometimes you have to take a step back. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, no, I mean, yeah, this is uh, this is hitting home for me a lot right now just because I've been really wanting to dive in. I, you know, I'm a woodworker and um, I don't know actually a ton about furniture design other than it's always uh, taught as being the product of some European white dude. Um, and so because of that and like in my own process like I I'm a power carver or carving wood you know I really want to dive in and like understand as best I can the history of it and where it comes from and and how it you know made its way over to the states and everything like that and it got me going down this path of trying to find like more scholarly documentation and stuff and just you know, discovering, you know, people being enslaved from Africa and coming and fetching a higher price if they came with right. a trade. If they came with the skills, yeah. Yes. Um, yet what they created with their hands, if they didn't, if, if you couldn't point to the white person who quote unquote taught them, then their work was seen as crap their work was yeah. seen as like not, yeah, yeah not valuable at all um mm -hmm. and probably with with the exception of thomas day yeah yeah he was free he was yes free. yes there yes uh, the one <laughs> yeah um uh but it, but that's just the problem too is like actually trying to dig in and find records yeah is so hard like to find any record of because they you know, the plantation owner was not going to credit oh, exactly, you know, Titus, yeah, yeah. On, on the plantation, right? He's going to make the money, yes, you know, exactly. um, yeah. We have a, a section in um, our African American art history book um, by Sharon F. Patton mm -hmm. that focuses on, you know, furniture designers, mm -hmm. um, you know, Thomas Day, Barjan created the first sleigh bed. Um, there's so much there of Dave the Potter. Mm -hmm. Every now and then you might see something on the Antique Roadshow. Right. <laughs> I'm, <kinda> nerd <laughs> I'm nerdy yeah. like that. You know, yeah. I'll watch yeah. the Antique Roadshow and every yeah. now and then you'll see something. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's not a lot of history on it. And we know who, you know, M Michelle Obama talked about it. I'm living in a house that my ancestors built by hand. Yes. Right. Yeah. And oftentimes uh, people don't realize the heavy hand of African influence in architecture. Yeah. The Dinka symbols. Yeah. Uh, especially the blacksmiths out of out of South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And they would intricately put the Sankofa mm -hmm. in the gate work. Yeah. You know, an homage to, to the homeland with nobody knowing. It blows right. my mind when I when I show students what the Sankofa and what the Adinkra symbols are and where they are. Right. They're just stunned. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's where I kind of have gotten to so far with the carving. I mean, that's honestly part of what, assuming I can get into grad school, part of what I want to study is like where um, this comes from and to yeah, yeah. kind of give homage to it in, in my own way of whatever way I can. But just finding like carving started in Egypt, which Egypt is, is in Africa. Everything started in Egypt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everything started in Egypt. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it's, but even finding evidence of 
you know, the Roman Catholics basically trying to erase that fact and saying like, oh no, it started in our yeah. churches. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> really? You know, after, like, after Cleopatra died, you know, <laughs> started everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, and maybe I'll have to take a trip to take a trip to right. your school and uh, take some uh, trip. art trip. history. Yes. <laughs> You know, and a lot of those early, if you look at those early Greek sculptures before they started perfecting the body, you mm -hmm. can't tell it apart from Egyptian sculpture. Right. So the influences, you could lie all you want to, but the influence is there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, since you're, I mean, you're teaching art history, you're doing your own art pieces. Do you do any of that yourself, like uncovering or trying to? show the artists of the past and their um, influence on our <laughs> In class, I do. Yeah. Um, because the book that I teach from, that I adore, there's very few um, African-American, there's a lot of art books out there, but there's very few that yeah. are substantial to me. Yeah. And the one that I teach from was written in 98. Okay. So what I do in my lectures, I, mean, I wish I had a teacher like me when I was in school. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when I was in school, Augusta Savage, Elizabeth Cat, I had to teach myself about them. Yeah. Because you didn't see them in the regular art history books. Yeah. yeah I had to teach myself. So what I do is within the context of the chapter, I show them what contemporary artists are doing with this same topic now. Mm -hmm. And they could connect with them that way. Okay. So I use Hank Willis Thomas a lot. Carrie Mae Weems, mm -hmm. you know, transformed one of her projects. One of her, she did the series from here. I saw what happened and I cried her photographic series mm -hmm. from that. I created a project called slavery of five words. Mm -hmm. So you're photographing yourself and then you describe slavery of five words or less. Oh, wow. You're applying, you're thinking about it. You're applying text. And you're you're exploring photography. Yeah. Um, another project I have them do is imagine that you are a slave on the auction block. If you had to write a letter because you're a slave that could read and write, who would you write to and what would you say? Mm -hmm. They get real emotional about that. Oh, I'm because sure. It takes you somewhere. It takes yes. you somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So you might have like, dear God, why is this happening to me? But then you might have one that says, Master, I should have killed you when I had a chance. Yes. You know? <laughs> I should have put something in your tea. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the scope of it, but yeah. I find that those assignments really connect with the students. So I tried it, you know, Nicolene Thomas, Deborah Roberts, you know, mm -hmm. insanely uh, <laughs> exceptional artist. Mm -hmm. um, so if we're talking about Ramirez Baird, and I'm going to show you what Deborah Roberts is doing. Mm -hmm. You know, so. Um, I try to keep it as, uh, I try to stay with them. Well, actually they try to stay with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I, I take my art calls in my studio class because I want them to hear the business of art. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's one thing to be talented. The business of art is a whole, as you the know, whole... another ball game. Yes. And so I'll take those calls. I'll put them on the speaker and I'll let them hear mm. and implore to them that just because you get 500 likes that does not make you an artist. Yes. <laughs> if nobody's buying that art, you're still not exactly. able to, uh, to put food exactly. on the table. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think uh, you are correct that there should have been teachers like <laughs> you to be able to take class from. Um, that's often something I talk about with guests on the podcast who are coming from a traditional, you know, art college background mm -hmm. is that like business class is not taught alongside art right. class and right. so it's like you have somebody who gets out of school who is talented and now they're also their own business they are mm -hmm. an entrepreneur and they have no idea how to go yes, and sell and these, their work yes and these artists sign these terrible contracts mm -hmm. you know because they're so excited to be represented by yeah. a gallery you're hot and all of a sudden you don't have control of your licensing, mm -hmm. you know, you don't have control of the images you photograph because mm -hmm. you're just excited that somebody wrote you a little check. Right. You know, <laughs> and you're going to have a solo show. So the yeah. business of art, I know the University of Houston, they have a couple of classes okay. on art business. Mm -hmm. it's, it should be a requirement. Yes. Yeah. 
So I, I want to pivot just into that a little bit. Like how, I mean, was your learning on that all trial and error? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> my my gallerist here who I got through Print Houston, mm -hmm. she was old school Texas. So she she looked, she could have been Ann Richards' younger sister. You know, okay. she was the, the big hair. Yeah, yeah. She lost, she passed away this year, but she had the big hair and all of that. And it was the best rich people gossip ever. I used to just sit there, listen to her all day. This is how rich people gossip. This is so cool. But when she she uh, saw my work through one of the print Houston mm -hmm. exhibits and she said, I just love your work and I would love to represent you. And now I just, it's a handshake and a wink. So she was very, yeah, you know, <laughs> going through the gallery. She got half, I got half. We were good. Mm -hmm. you know, there was, she didn't restrict me from showing anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Some galleries do. So yeah. I was very fortunate. My gallery in New Orleans, she's, she's awesome. And she's young. Mm -hmm. There's two women that run the space, and uh, I trust her completely. So I've been very fortunate. And then Delita, who has just been on fire, you know, um, listening to her, and she'll tell mm -hmm. us everything. You know, look at this, don't sign this, make sure you have control of that. Mm -hmm. So I've been fortunate that I've been around a good group of people to kind of nurture mm -hmm. my business. Yeah. Do you? Do you feel like at all, if you hadn't have been able to kind of work in on that collaboration of Print Houston, do you feel like it would have been harder to get your foot in the door? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, even though what I do is unique. Yeah. I don't know. I've seen people who do printing processes on leaves, mm -hmm. but not feathers and cotton and mm -hmm. other stuff. Um, and I don't ever want it to be perceived as a gimmick because it's very serious to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, especially the cotton because mm -hmm. there's a direct correlation between that cotton and slavery. Mm -hmm. And all of that was inspired by seeing the work of Allison Saar in person. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I almost forgot the question. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> no, just having um, having harder time getting in. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, prior to, um, I, I would always send out for exhibitions, you know, in mm -hmm. early days you had to have slides mm -hmm. and it was a disc and now mm -hmm. everything is digital. So, you know, it's hit or miss. You just learn to take, you know, if they say no, try harder, mm -hmm. you know, and, and the show you just knew you were going to get into and you don't get into, keep fighting it. And mm -hmm. um, so Houston is an interesting community because there's not a lot of hateration. We, we kind of embrace each other and are very support uh, supportive and it's not clickish or circleish. People just know people and um, if your work is good, it's good. If it's for this space, it's for this space. So once we started really kicking off uh, print Houston, I just totally focused on printmaking and pushing the boundaries of printmaking, which would then lead to speaking at, at art conferences mm -hmm. or panel discussions and all of that. Yeah. helps you grow as an artist, even like your show as well. Yeah, you know, yep. all of that exposure helps. You know? mm -hmm. I'm not trying to pimp myself out because no, go it, for it. I, I allow anybody to pimp themselves out yeah. on the show. <laughs> but, but once you get to a certain age, you know, yep. it's like either you like it or you don't. Yep. You know, but I'm not going to stop doing what I do. Yeah. 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 So I'm always going to probably work in series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I said, like, uh, to be complete, completely frank, like this whole even just going for my uh, my master's and, and going down this, I'm, I want to get into 3D design is what mm -hmm. I want to study. Um, has me quite terrified because, yeah. you know, I don't have, I don't have this art background and I'm like, I feel like the hick that's trying to like sneak in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I understand the fear because technology is fearful. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, I, I work in the School of Architecture, even though that's where the art department yeah. is at my school. So they do a lot of 3D printing and things like that. Mm -hmm. So there may be a different avenue <laughs> for you to walk into <laughs> as opposed to just artists. Yeah. Like when I went yeah. to the academy, they didn't know where to put me. 
Mm-hmm. Because at that time I was doing my hoop dreaming series. I was only doing basketball hoops. Okay. So they were like, maybe we, we're thinking about putting you in sculpture. And I started reading the curriculum and I'm like, I'm not going to blow my house up trying to do all this stuff, <laughs> you know? And so the first class I took was mixed media, mm-hmm. a professor, Carrie Ann Plank, and she was a printmaker. Okay. And, and then she taught us how to do transfer printing mm-hmm. and print on wax and all this kind of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, my good friend, Lauren Kelly said, you know, go with printmaking, learn the skill. Mm-hmm. And that's, that was my path. Yeah. And um, they, uh, again, d- touring, they said, okay, like you'll, you'll apply for your primary. Right. But then when you come, you got to add something else on. And I'm like, oh, yeah. and I'm thinking, I want to add graphic design, not because I have any background in it, but because I'm thinking like a business person. And I'm like, you know, what costs me the most money every year is hiring out yeah. a graphic designer to, yeah. <laughs> to do all of my like <laughs> logo work or, you know, whatever kind of things I have to do. But it does take a lot of time though. All that. <sighs> I mean, I do, you know, I have my little 15 minutes with soul that I do on IG uh, yeah. occasionally and <laughs> all that little graphic stuff. It takes time. It does. It does take yeah. time. Well, one of the things I learned from uh, Creative Capital is have a 10-minute art meeting with yourself every day. Okay. If it's just at the very least 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. That could be answering emails, cleaning up a graphic or whatever, but just yes. have, spend that 10 minutes every day working on updating your bio or mm-hmm. website or whatever. So that's I've always really, remembered yeah, that's, that. That's really good advice. Because yeah. I definitely don't give myself that time. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, So, okay, you talked about the show that's coming up with the ironing boards. Um, Yes. Do you have any other shows that are on the horizon? um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Project Row Houses in Houston. Um, Mm -mm. Oh, yeah, look them up. It's uh, Rick Lowe. uh, He he won the MacArthur two years ago. Okay. Um, But uh, there's uh, row houses are shotgun houses in in Texas. And so he took a whole street of shotgun houses and transformed them. So artists can come in and you can do whatever you want to with the space. Oh, wow. And I think they're up to round, I did round eight and round 12. And now they're up to round 50 something. They do it twice a year. Okay. And so Rue is actually going to be in this next round, which is focusing on critical race theory. So it's going to be real interesting uh, what we put in that house. Uh (laughs) Um, And Yeah, artists come from all over the country to do Mm -hmm. this. That Whitfield Lavelle, I'll never forget. He was in the very first round. Whitfield Lavelle does those beautiful drawings on wood. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember the day they took the wall. Somebody bought the walls out of the house. Oh, wow. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. <laughs> but um, so Real Houses is coming up in March. Londale is January. I'm actually going to be in North Dakota at the Plains Art Museum for my first museum solo there. Oh, nice. And, and, and others, I'll be at the Kayla Art Institute in Berkeley for a residency. So, yeah. When you're out in, you know, these galleries and stuff, do you, especially around, I mean, around things like critical race theory and stuff, are you getting pushback from those who come to the show at all? Um, I wouldn't know because for COVID I haven't been anywhere, but yeah. I usually don't. I usually okay. don't. Um, the art crowd is different. Yeah, you know, they're more of a liberal crowd, at least willing to listen. Yes, you know, I, I hear some things occasionally. You know, the yeah, it's usually the husbands in a circle. You know, the wives are somewhere. You know, like oh, this yeah. is fascinating, and the husbands are in the corner talking golf and politics. <laughs> you know, but for the most part, I have not had that experience. I'm in a show okay. now in Amarillo, Texas, that's focusing on on race. Um, it's you know, there's a lot of um, immigration type pieces in mm-hmm. that show but the piece i have in there actually does say 1619 on it mm. and it's called stop erasing our history yes and um so um i mean i haven't no one has come at me personally good that. Yeah. it was I'm actually it was actually 1619 again i'm not super far into it yet but it was actually 1619 and her opening essay about um patriotism that like explained to me you know some why (laughs) uh so many 
uh, black people enroll in military service um, and the idea of them being more patriotic I personally am not very patriotic and that might lose me some people who listen to my podcast but oh well so um, the you know that thought of 1619 and basically because you built this country right like it's your country way more right. than it is our right. country the, at the time the f- soldiers were fighting they still didn't have equal rights exactly and they you were know, fighting so two it, wars they were fighting for their own right. freedom and right. for the, the freedom of a country yeah well think about if your mindset is you have more freedom going to a war to fight for your freedom yep. than living in the yeah. south that says all it has to say right there exactly exactly yeah. yeah so that that really just i mean it didn't blow my mind it just it kind of it made some things make sense to me of yeah. you know of just being an observer in the world mm-hmm. um it made some yeah. things make sense and um yeah it just i'm glad to hear that there's more people, I guess, uh, reading, listening, and trying yeah. to get the information out there. And her story is interesting. Now, this is, you know, you know what happened to her last year? I don't, she, actually. So she she was a professor at the University of North Carolina. Okay. And she won the, I believe she won the Pulitzer for 1619. Mm-hmm. They denied her tenure at the University of North Carolina. Oh, my gosh. For... for critical race theory because that was the hot term yeah isn't that crazy that is crazy you're denying a pulitzer prize winning faculty member over some political foolery yeah and so the the students protested the faculty the faculty all supported her yeah it was the 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 board the board you know the regents the board of regents that was like nobody so she left and went to howard yeah (laughs) yes yeah exactly that is their laws i mean that yeah that's great yeah i mean ridiculous i i i don't understand this whole like thing against critical race theory because like you just said it's erasing history to me it's like don't even put that title on it it's just it's it's taught in in (laughs) law school it's nothing that's taught in grade school it's it's they've just hijacked it like the term woke i hate to hear fox news say woke not that I watch Fox News. I say, don't but, you know, watch Fox News. I do not. I do not at all. Ugh, I could just, my stomach is churning just thinking about it. Yeah. But just that whole group of people saying woke yeah. all of a sudden, you know, hijacking yeah. the culture. Critical race theory came, I believe, vocally came about after George Floyd. You want to know why people are burning these, burning down cities and yeah. things? Where is this rage coming from? Yeah. You know, why are certain people being stopped and other people being allowed to walk away yep. from, from a traffic stop? You yep. know, that is studied in in graduate school. and It's not taught in elementary school. No. So it's being merged with history. Yes. And so oh, February is going to be real interesting. Black History Month. <laughs> it's going to be real interesting this year. Yeah. So it's just it's just so ridiculous. Yeah. So I, I thought people were smarter than that, but I'm clearly wrong. <laughs> you, you and me both are clearly wrong yeah. on that. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's just, it's heightened the awareness that, you know, like my wife and I, we have kids. And so it's like heightened the awareness of how important it is that yeah. we play a role in, um, teaching our kids and informing them and making sure that all of these things are not erased, you know, I mean, just, right. And, and they happen to go to a school that's very liberal, um, you know, and so things like the, my oldest, who's only eight, but he learned, I would say the truth about Christopher Columbus. And so he comes home and he's like, Christopher Columbus is a big fat jerk and I just don't understand why anybody, <laughs> you know, he just yeah. goes ahead and it's like, you're right. You are absolutely That's right. right. That's you know, right. <laughs> you know it's, it's, the, you know, a most, a lot, especially larger cities mm-hmm. have changed the name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The funniest thing in 2020, when we were in quarantine that, you know, 
to get a good laugh was something that we all desired. I will never forget the Boston Globe. It was on the front page. Christopher Columbus statue beheaded and thrown in the Boston <laughs> River. <laughs> that was the, <laughs> you know, that was the funniest thing to me. You know, he was beheaded and thrown in the river. Yes. But, you know, <laughs> you want to understand why people are furious with these monuments. Yes. You know, George Floyd, that's been happening. We've been seeing that for years. It's just right. that the world saw it. Right. You know, NWA yep. and all that stuff, they preached about it. Mm-hmm. In, in the early days of hip hop, they weren't mm -hmm. lying about this. No, <laughs> it's just that the world saw it. Yes, you know, as tragic as it was, the world saw it, and we didn't have anything. There was no way of escaping it. Right, because we were at home. We were. That's. We were I think that's the biggest key to me. Is I feel yeah. like we have unfortunately continued to see and see and see, mm -hmm. and because we're not willing to stop, we being people who look like myself are not willing to stop and look in the mirror and say, mm -hmm. you have a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. Then we move on. We keep scrolling. We find something yeah. else, you know, because you're safe because we're safe. Space. Yes. Yeah. We're in a safer space mm -hmm. and we don't want to feel uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. That's we weren't allowed to move away from that. Mm -hmm. We were not allowed to move away from that. And yeah. I'm thankful for that. Um, I've, I feel like I've been on this journey most of my adult life trying to understand why I never felt like what I was being taught in my, you know, family of origin was correct. Mm -hmm. I, I always felt like wrong <laughs> about yeah. what things were being said. And, and so I feel like I've been on this journey my whole adult life of like trying to mm -hmm. understand and learn more and mm -hmm. just do my own work. Um, yeah. And so I, as I never would want something like George Floyd to happen. Um, yeah. However, I do feel like it was I was glad that it happened with COVID <laughs> in the sense mm -hmm. that it, it made other people have to stop. You had to stop. You, you couldn't escape it. You couldn't you escape. You could not escape it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it, it brought on something that I felt was. Yeah. And so, the case, too, because yeah. COVID went on so long. Yep. You know, watching the court case. Yeah. You know, our expectations were, you know, because it's happened so many times. And that's where my sunglasses series comes from. You can't see what I can see, mm -hmm. you know, because I'm seeing this happening, but then these people are being acquitted because yeah. you're now telling me I'm not seeing what I'm seeing. That yeah. It goes back to Rodney King. Yeah. You know, and I mean, it's, it's like, the biggest, it's the biggest right. gaslighting ever. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. we all knew that once yeah. that, that little boy did his performance on the stand, we all knew he was going to get off. It wasn't even, you know, yeah. we all knew that. Yeah, you know, and then where are these prosecuting attorneys coming from? Really, dude? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, we all watched Matlock or Law and yeah. Order, and so the judge wouldn't let you use the iPad. Bring in a poster. What are you doing? <laughs> it's like, oh my god, it's it's like you're you're on their team too. Right. <laughs> it makes you wonder. <laughs> yes. It yes. Makes you wonder. Uh, so yeah, it's it's unfortunate. You know, you would think in twenty almost twenty twenty two we'd be in a better place, but that last administration had us going so far backwards, and the hoods are off. You know, yeah. it's unfortunate. Yeah, but I'm always going to believe there's more good people than bad. You know, I'm always going to believe that. Yeah, and and I I actually I do think to to some degree. That even somebody who so vehemently is on the other okay. side can learn. It's mm -hmm. just at what level do you have to, um, what has to happen in their life? Yeah. Uh, how personal does it have to get? That's my, exactly. all of my I question. I think that's the key. Yeah, it's how, how personal, personal does it have to get? Yeah. You know, especially, you know, shootings, you know, does yep. it have to be at your kid's school for you to yep. get it? Yep. You know? Yep. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, well, we're, I'm watching the time. So we're, yeah. we're at the end of hey. our time together, but I have so oh, enjoyed super. our conversation. Um, Likewise. Thank you for reaching out. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to give you a ch uh, another opportunity to let people know 
like how they can find you, follow along with you and, and see all oh, the sure. work you're up to. Um, a lot of my new work is posted on Instagram at Soul Sister Art, S-O-L-E. And my website is soulsisterart.com. Okay. Um, so you can find me there, um, updates. Okay, I have to have you on 15 Minutes with Soul. I'm going <laughs> to try to stay for 15 minutes. I'm going to try. I haven't done it yet. <laughs> That's one thing that COVID, you know, has a lot of us doing our podcasts and things, yes. like, things yes. that I never thought I would ever do. Um, and, and by the way, I meant to give you a shout out on your 80s video. I do every single song. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Since the Go-Go's have been, you know, they were just putting them in the Hall of Fame. I was like, oh, they got the beat, you know. All yeah, that's that right. That. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I will make sure that all those links are included for the show notes so people you. can easily find you. And thanks for chatting with me again today. Oh, thank you. It's been awesome. Yeah. It's been awesome. I appreciate you so much for reaching out. Same. All right. So again, that was Ann Johnson, and I will include the links on how you can follow along with her and see um, all the work she's producing and what show she's in, all that good stuff, um, and the show notes for today's episode. So the best places to find those show notes is check out the description for the episode in your podcast app. If you are watching this on YouTube, check the description box down below. And then lastly, you can head on over to Freeman furnishings.com forward slash podcast and you'll find today's episode show notes with links as well as all the past uh, episodes all the way back to the very beginning even when it was called the maker mom podcast when i am not uh interviewing fantastic guests and making podcast episodes you can find me designing and making furniture and other home decor at freeman furnishings Dot com and at Freeman Furnishings across all the social media platforms. I am most active though over at Instagram. I'm usually on there every day. So you can come on over at Freeman for Furnishings and say, hey. And while you're over there, make sure to follow along with the podcast as well at Crafting Revolution. Okay, again, welcome back. Happy 2022, everybody. And uh, I will be back Friday with another brand new episode. In the meantime, let's go craft a revolution. She, her, fan, they got something they wanna say. Solution for the toxic masculinities. Pollution is the constant evolution. Of